0: Well, we uh, started a lesson this morning on the Gospel of John chapter 9, and uh, one of the miracles there, and we saw something we hadn't seen before, and, and we didn't get finished with that. We was going to try, so there was a miracle there. We was going to try to look at a couple other miracles and see how they fit together, and we didn't make that. We made it through one of them, or a portion of it, I should say. But I just want to touch on that again tonight before we move on. Gospel John chapter nine, and uh, you're familiar with this, where the man was born blind, and uh, the Lord uh, uh, opened his eyes. Had a particular way that he opened his eyes, and uh, that's kind of what we we talked about. Uh, and the Lord could have opened his eyes any way, of course. You know, the centurion servant. Uh, the lord they didn't even bring him to him the lord didn't even go to him and yet he healed him of the palsy so here we see the lord healing this man that was born blind in this particular way put mud in his eyes and i thought before i mean this ninth chapter is crammed with so much good stuff you know uh of course, he did it on the Sabbath. You can study that, and uh, and this woman was brought to the Lord, and He healed his vision, or his vision, both physically and spiritually, and and so forth. But uh, I thought, boy, he rubbed mud in his eyes. That, you know, you get a little piece of dirt in your eye. And how so? He rubbed mud in his eye, and I, I again, I didn't know the significance of that. But you know, there, there's a reason, uh, and it's. It's for our learning and our admonition. It says that the, uh, that the uh, works of God should be made manifest in him. So that's the reason for it. Again, he could have healed him anyway. But he went through this process. And uh, we, we talked about that process this morning. And uh, I said, why, why mud? You know, was there something special about the mud, some kind of minerals in it? or uh, or did the mud in there, and they rubbed it, and that scrubbed some scale off his eyes, why, why mud, and we looked it says it says that he uh, spit on the ground, made clay, rubbed it in his eyes, so we looked at the ground, and i won 't have time to go into that tonight, but the ground this is not well, we won 't go into it, but the interesting when you study this ground, this particular Greek word was only used two times in the scriptures. Now, you may see ground in English several other times, but this is only used two times. and very interesting there. It's impassable, a chasm, a vacant, gap. Uh, so that's the ground there. So there wasn't anything special about the ground. In fact, it would be kind of a negative thing. There's not anything good about that ground that would, would open his eyes. Well then we're, what we're left? what are we left with? Spit. And uh, so was there some kind of special makeup about his saliva, you know? Well, we don't have anything to tell us that, of course. But the key, to me, the key to the understanding is that, what's the significance of Spit? He could have done any way out of the mouth of the Lord. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the significance to me of the spit was out of the mouth of the Lord. So we, we looked at that, and uh, we saw his, uh, he received his sight, but his sight was a little bit progressive. First, he's, they said, well, you know, how did you get your sight? Well, a man called Jesus. And then you see the progression that his eyesight got a little better, or his his spiritual eyesight got a little better. And finally, oh, yeah, I believe. And he worship I believe the Son of God, and he worshiped him. So his eyesight was, got progressively uh, better, and we, and we saw that. We also notice and, uh, that he was sent to the pool of Siloam, which means sent, but he was told to wash. And we didn't take much time on that, and we won't again tonight, but I do want to read on that in Ephesians chapter 5. And then we'll try to go on to our next miracle. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 simply says that he might talk about his church, uh, 5, 25, 26, uh, talking about the church, that he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Where does his word come from? Out of the mouth of the Lord. That's what comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So we, we looked at that and, of course, other scriptures as well. But uh, so the Lord had this complete healing, physical eyesight, yes, spiritual eyesight. Certainly he did. He could have done it any way. He could have just said, see. Or he could have, didn't even have to be there. He could have done it from another town. Or he didn't have to be blind to begin with, but he was made blind that the works of God might be manifest in him. I didn't mention it this morning. Of course, we focus on that miracle, as we should. But also, when his spiritual eyesight was healed, the works of God was manifest in him. Not just that he could see, but then, yeah, this is the Son of God. And then he worshipped him, and he preached him. So the works of God was manifest in him. So then we talked, that we wanted to go to another account, another miracle... Uh, has to do with spit. Uh, and that's in, in Mark chapter 8. And I'm leaving a lot out of John 9, of course. But Mark chapter 8, and we see this here. And again, the Lord could have healed this man anyway. He could have just, uh, again, he could have just said, well, see. Uh, but he had it done this way for our learning and our admonition. So let's see. I said Mark, and I'm still in John. So let's go back to Mark chapter 8. And uh, verse 22 And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man to him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, and we had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. After that, he put his hands uh, again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. So, in uh, verse 23 there, he took that blind man, he took him out of the town, there's significance to that as well, and said... uh, he spit in his eyes. Again, out of the mouth of the Lord. He spit in his eyes and uh, said, uh, put his hands upon him. And he asked if he saw anything. So he took this man who was blind, put spit in his eyes. Didn't mention the, the dust this time, but nevertheless, out of the mouth of the Lord. And he says, you see anything? And verse 24 says, And he looked upon and said, I see men like trees walking. And uh, we ask, Is the Lord going to leave him with this type of vision? That wouldn't be complete uh, vision restored. Yeah, he sees something, but he wasn't seeing correctly. He said, I see men walking like trees. And I believe the significance of that. And we were all there one time. And we can see most of the religious world is still there. How they see man. They see man, big man, walking like trees, big in power, big in might. Uh, big in significance, big in importance. They uh, really lift up and glorify. They see man really as, as something. And that's what he saw here at this time. And it says, uh, uh, he looked, uh, says he looked up and said, "'I see men like trees walking.' This is the way I picture. He was blind and everything. I figure he was looking down at the dust, the dirt, mud, the earth. And when he looked up, I just picture him looking up out like this. I see men. and Boy, what I see in man is he's like trees. He's powerful and mighty and, and important and so forth and so on. That's what I see. But the Lord didn't leave him with that vision. So we look at verse 25. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now he sees man clearly. So what, what I see there, I see two looking up. First, I see him looking down, and he said, you see anything? So he looks up, and he looks around, and he sees man. And this is what I see in man. He's, he's big, he's powerful, he's mighty, he's important. But the Lord said, we're not, we're not through here. Could have been. He could have healed him the first time, right? So he, he does again, and again, this is what spit out of the mouth of the Lord. And he says, and he, he made him look up. So I figure he's looking, man, he's looking out here. And now he makes him look up. Hold your place there. And let's go to Colossians chapter 3 for one second about looking up. And many places we could go on that, of course. Colossians chapter, well, let me ask you, where do you look? Well, if you want a clear picture of man, now, it's obvious, this man is blind, he wasn't seeing clearly, start with, I see man like trees and everything, and uh, he said, well, okay, let's, uh, let's do this, now, look up, and then tell me what you see in man. So here in Colossians chapter 3 and uh, verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your faces on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here it tells us, and I, I have to look at the religious world when I look at this. It says, it, you know, if you're risen with Christ and everything, seek those things which are above. And where Christ is on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. And buddy, I thank you for your prayer. Uh, man thinks, what do they set their affections on? Their self-righteousness, their abilities to keep the law, uh, their choices and their decisions. That's what the religious world looks at. That's, certainly that's where their affections are. That's what they strive for, just like the Pharisees did, the legalists uh, in, in the Lord's time. But that's what they look to. Look to themselves. Look at their self-righteousness. But this says No. You set your affections on things above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. So that's where we, again, look up. We see our salvation through Christ and God's plan of salvation. Look up. And we certainly won't have time. But look up and, and see God. Now, we, we look up and see God through his word, of course. But tells us about God. And after we look up and see God, then we can see man a little clearer. All of a sudden, this man is not big man walking like trees, powered might, stuff like that. We see man clearly whenever we look up, whenever we see God. So the Lord made him look up, and he made him look up, and then he says, his, 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 uh, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. So let me ask you, and those listening by recorded message, how do you see man? Maybe a better question or. A little more personal question. How do you see yourself? I uh, I remember many years ago, Brother Alston was talking about himself, and I-, I looked up to him more than any man on the earth, and he was talking about what a wretched creature he was. And I, and I Gene, I thought, Oh no. But that's how he saw himself. How do you see yourself? Well, hold your place here in, uh, well, let's just go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is how you don't want to see yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is how most people. I've heard people, they don't know if they're going to make it to heaven or not, but they'll look at somebody else or look at a preacher. Well, if he makes it, I'm going to, surely going to make it. So you may see yourself better than me, but boy, that doesn't lift you up very high. <laughs> that doesn't lift you up very high at all. So in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of a number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. So you say, well, how do you see yourself? Well, if I compare myself with you, I'm looking pretty good. If I compare myself with John Doe, I'm looking pretty good. Don't, don't be of that number. The religious world does. But they're still looking at what? Are they looking up? No, they're still still looking out there. It says, don't compare yourself. And then, well, I think verse 13 goes on. But we will not boast of things without our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you, what kind of a rule or ruler has God distributed among us that we might measure ourselves? What's well, this every word that proceeds out of His mouth, and you have, have part of it here with you? That's how we measure ourselves. We don't measure ourselves looking at one another. Now most of the world does. Most of the world does. They'll look at somebody and, well, I, I'm, I'll make it if they do. They compare themselves among themselves, and that's what that man, when his first vision came. Well, how do you see? Oh, I see men like trees, mighty and powerful. In fact, that's how I see myself. But it says, "Don't don't be that number." There's a, that's a big number. That's a big number as we look at the religious world that they compare themselves among themselves, and they think as another scripture. Let's see, is it there? It says. Uh, Think more highly of themselves than they ought to. I thought that was along there too. But anyway, think more highly of themselves than they ought to. Well, how highly should we think of ourselves? Well, if you compare yourself among yourself, you might think pretty highly. But look up. How do you see yourself? I can say, how do you see man? This guy, or this one that was born blind, how do you see man? Well, I see him like trees, walking. Men like walking like trees, powerful, mighty. The Lord made him look up. And then he saw man clearly. So, how do you see yourself? How do you see man? Isaiah 64 and 6. For we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are filthy rags. Folks, that's, that's what we are. I, and I've told you a story before. It's many years ago. Uh, Brother Olson was teaching, and he had compared us to grasshoppers or something. And I remember after services, one person, they was offended. Well, they didn't like being compared to a grasshopper. They'd rather be compared to men like trees and so forth and so on. So men don't like to be compared to grasshoppers or, no, my righteousness is not a filthy rag. My righteousness is better than this one. And mine's not as filthy rags. How do you see yourself? Uh, Psalms 39. Psalms 39 tells us, and there's a couple of verses there we'll look at. But uh, it talks about man in his best state. So if we look at man in his best state, then how is he in his worst state? So, Psalms, well, let me get back here, quit talking. Psalm 39, verse 5. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is nothing before thee. Verily, Man at his best state is altogether vanity. See Lord, think on that. How do you see yourself? Well, if you compare yourself among those, you compare yourself among yourselves, you might see yourself as pretty good. You might see man, you might see, well, I'm above these other people, I walk like trees, I'm powerful and mighty. But this says, "Man's best state is altogether vanity." What are you in your worst state? Well, we won't even go there. <laughs> I don't think we need to, do we? So, how do you see man? Do you see him best state altogether vanity, or do you think, like I was talking to a gentleman years ago, and I uh, I miss him; he's no longer living upon this earth, and we talked a lot about the scriptures, a lot of interesting conversations. But I talk about our Lord and salvation and through him. And he kept he said many times, we'd like to think that we have something to do with it. And yes, that's what the old natural man comparing themselves among themselves would like to think. that We have something to do with it. But when you when you see man clearly, when you see God, and you see man clearly, and, and again, we see God through the scriptures. Verily, every man in his best age is altogether vanity. Well, I don't want that. I don't want my eternal life dependent upon me that my best state is vanity. I don't want that. And then, so it goes on here in verse 11. So this, also, we're looking at man. What do you see? What do you, how do you see yourself? Uh, Let's make it personal. We can say, how do you see mankind? And that's okay. But let's make it more personal. How do you see yourself? Like men walking as trees? Or vanity? Or look at verse 11. Now the Lord, well, let's just read verse 11. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man... Is vanity. So can the Lord correct man for iniquity? Oh, yes. Well, what's the result of it? He causes his beauty to consume away. No longer sees men walking, see ourselves men walking as trees with might and power and importance and everything. He caused all that to disappear when we see clearly. It says he maketh his beauty to consume away. Don't we see that in uh, Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar? Boy, Nebuchadnezzar, how did he see himself? We know the dream, the dream, you know, there was a, he had a dream, Daniel interpreted a dream. He says, you're go, you know, you're going to go through this till, till you see, you know. He, I, I say he had a doctorate. He sent him, I think, seven years, said the seventh time passed over. But if you'd ask Nebuchadnezzar, well, and we can do that. Nebuchadnezzar, how do you see yourself? He says, I built this kingdom by my might and my power for my majesty. Man walking like trees. That's how he saw himself. So this says, When man rebukes, or when the Lord rebukes man for iniquity, was that iniquity when he said that? <laughs> I built this kingdom, my might, my power, my majesty. Certainly that was iniquity. He said when when he corrects man for iniquity, he causes his beauty to consume away. See man clearly then. And uh, certainly we we see that. And, well, let's go there. I wasn't going to go. Let's go to Daniel 4th chapter there. Uh, Something there I wanted to to read. Daniel 4th chapter and uh so we see that in verse 30 you know i built the uh i have built for my house this kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty of course that's exact almost exact words that satan said wasn't it uh so now he went through this i believe seven years seven times in the wilderness and the lord was certainly uh teaching him there won't go into that, but uh, he certainly taught him there. And uh, in verse 34. Now before, in verse 30, uh, he, uh, he saw men, he saw himself like trees, men walking like trees, mighty and so forth. But in the, uh, in the 34th verse, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, What? Lifted up mine eyes into heaven. Now, Chuck, he's looking up. Lord calls him to look up just like he did the blind man. Look up. Now what do you see? So here, Nebuchadnezzar, he he learned a lot in those seven years. And now he said, Nebuchadnezzar, look up. Now tell me what you see. Now tell me how you see yourself. Is he going to make his beauty consume away? Absolutely. Look at it. Uh, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes into heaven, and my understanding returned to me. He saw man clearly now. He saw himself clearly now. And I blessed the Most High. No longer, he looked at himself as the Most High. I did this. I built this kingdom. My might my power. Now, God's not one of the Highs. Most High on a pedestal all by himself, and here down here is Nebuchadnezzar. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him who liveth forever, whose dominion is the everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth, including Himself, man, are reputed as nothing no longer sees him as men walking as trees, does he? All the inhabitants of the earth are repeated as nothing, and he doeth according to his will. In the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? When the Lord corrected this man for iniquity, as we saw in Psalm 39 and 11, He caused his beauty to consume away. He no longer sees, I built the kingdom, my might, my power. He said, no, I'm nothing. How do you see yourself? Mighty? Powerful? Better than everybody else? Well, if you see yourself, again, if you say, well, I'm, I'm better than you, well, that doesn't raise you up very high is what I'm saying. Don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Don't be of that number. There's a big number out there. That's exactly what they do. But don't be of that number according to what the Scripture tells us. So, when it uh, causes beauty to consume away. Uh, and, well, also here in Daniel, we see a, uh, Daniel sees a vision of the Lord. We won't go there. It's in the 10th chapter. So, when Daniel saw, or uh, uh, when Daniel then Daniel saw a vision of the Lord. What was the effects of that? Now, our lesson, were, or one of our points is, we look up. The Lord made him look up. Nebuchadnezzar looked up to see the Lord. Now tell me what you think of yourself. Well, Daniel showed a vision of the Lord. And he says, And I retained no strength. He didn't see himself as trees, men walking like trees, might and power. I retained no strength. That's how we should see ourselves. If we look up. You compare ourselves to ourselves, yeah, you may make yourself look pretty good. But look up. Uh, Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 for a moment. We see certainly... Paul had a change in, in vision, didn't he? And we're not even going to where the Lord, uh, he was blind and, and blinded him and uh, sent him to Ananias and so forth. We talked about that briefly this morning. But Philippians chapter 3. So we're going to see uh, Paul when he was Saul of And in verse 3, he says... Well, for we, in, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. But now he, he goes backwards a little bit. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he has reason for which he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. So what he's saying, if I compare myself among myself, i got more reason than all of you. And then he tells us what their reasons were in verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, they dedicated their life to the law and reading the law and understanding the law and so forth. And applying the law. He says in verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So, this is how Paul, when he was Saul, that's how he viewed himself. Oh, this, touching this law, I'm blameless. He saw himself as a mighty tree, didn't he? But uh, did the Lord correct him of his iniquity? Did he rebuke him for iniquity? Did he cause his beauty to consume away? Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, I count loss for Christ. Now, there are people that compare themselves among themselves. Oh, I'm better than him. And I, I've told you before, I, it still rings in my ears, this lady one time. She says, well, I'm above reproach. And uh, so she had great gain in her mind, didn't she? I'm above reproach. I'm like trees walking like men. I'm above reproach. Great gain, but, but what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ, causing his beauty to consume away. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, manure, refuge, that I may win Christ. Did he put a high value the things that he used to trust in? Touching righteousness in the law, circumcised the eighth day, stock of Israel. Uh, Did he put a high value on that? Now, this would be a good time to say, well, you know, I believe in Christ, but these other things are very valuable as well. Did he count them as valuable? He counted them as dung. What things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the ecstasy of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered loss of all things, and do count them but refuge, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Of course, the faith is, is his Uh, that he gives to us as well so did the Lord cause his iniquity or his beauty to consume away absolutely he shouldn't trust in any of that anymore he didn't compare himself among themselves anymore he looked up he said I count all that as loss Uh, well let's see let's I don't know where to go to the next uh, miracle or just... Let's just go ahead and look at a couple more scriptures here. We might not get the... I was going to go to another miracle, another spit miracle, but let's uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and stay on this point maybe. Ephesians chapter 2. So how do you see man? How do you see yourself? Has he caused your beauty? Has he rebuked you and caused your beauty to consume away, or do you still see man? Do you still see yourself walking as trees, as might, and as power? Uh, Ephesians two and and uh, verse. I would just start in verse eight, I guess by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus in two good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Is there anything here that glorifies man man would be we could say we could boast and yeah I did this and I did that and like man walking like trees powerful and mighty and so forth not a thing is there when you look up when God makes us or when the Lord makes us look up then we see we're saved by grace that's not of ourselves; it's a gift of God so we don't it calls, it calls our, And that's why the religious world hates us so much. They can't stand their beauty to consume away. They want something to cling to, something to beautify man, as we talked about some false gods uh, a few weeks ago. They take a tree and cut it down or stove and, car, and carve it and, uh, and beautify it and overlay it with gold and silver and everything and, uh, and then fall down before it and say, save me. Well, that's what they do to mankind. They look at us, look at themselves. Well, if you're going to get to heaven, we hear it all the time. You turn over a new leaf, do the best you can, choose God, go to an altar, pray through. And it, I, I find it so funny. You don't see it too much more with the media we have now, but used to, it seemed like there's always a men's restroom. I don't know if it's in women's or not. Uh, but anyway, you see all these tracks and everything. And usually on the front cover, they say, there's only one way. And you go through there, and then there's a big list of different ways to get there. They don't see man as what he is. They, they haven't, the Lord hasn't caused them to look up, hasn't opened their eyes. And, of course, we could go to the first chapter of Ephesians, one of the most hated books in The Bible. But far as look at God, now look at man. Now what do you think? So, uh, and I love a scripture. We, I know I read it too often, but uh, Ephesians 1, starting verse 4. And, and as we look at this, I want you to view God, and I want you to view man. And then what do you see? Verse 4 According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, God chose His elect in Christ before the foundation of the world. What did you have to do with that? Mighty tree, what did you have to do with that? That we should be holy without blame before Him in love. What did you have to do with that, mighty tree? Having predestinated us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to how many laws of Moses you kept, according to how many white lies you told, according to the good pleasure of his will, See, that takes all the honor and glory away from man. No longer, if we look up, if the Lord makes us look up and calls us to see this, then we see man clearly. To the praise of the glory of his grace through which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Do we make ourselves acceptable? I, you know, you hear so much, we turn over a new leaf, and hell and I was talking... That leaf just as dirty on the other side. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Not according to how mighty of a tree you are. According to the riches of his grace. And it takes all the honor and glory away from man, gives it to the Lord. David, I was going to go to Romans third chapter, but we're, we're out of time. We won't go there. But uh, we, <laughs> I wanted to get to Mark uh, seventh chapter. We won't get there. We may bring it up again sometime. Uh, probably will. But there's another place. Lord, out of the mouth of the Lord, getting their spit used again. And Gene, I told him this morning, I never thought I would be uh, bring a sermon on spit, you know, and I told him when his kids a certain age, as boys, we learned to spit and would spit not necessarily chewing, just, just spit. And who can spit the farthest and everything like that? So here's spit. Well there's more miracles regarding spit. And the Lord could have done it anyway. But he chose to do it this way. That he might cause us to see. And our eyes may be opened. Our eyes may be anointed with spit, which comes out of the mouth of the Lord. This other one that we won't go into tonight, a little bit different, but uh, spit. And uh, this person was deaf, had speech problems. Spit, touched his tongue. And Nehemiah talks about speech problems. Israel, they went through a time Never speech problems. So maybe, Lord willing, we'll we'll talk about this uh, next week. So may the Lord bless the speaking of his word. And we're dismissed.